Calvary Church. What a privilege it is to be with you today. I'm Laura Goodrich, and together with my husband and sons, we have served as missionaries in South Africa for the past 21 years. Let me begin by thanking you for your many, many years of love and prayers and financial support. You've helped keep our family living and serving in Africa for over 15 years. We first went to South Africa in 1999 to help local churches develop their ministry programs to children. In Africa, nearly 50% of the population is under the age of 15. Many churches are just one-room buildings with no real space to have children's programs. But we know that God loves children and He wants to bless them with His presence and have a lifelong relationship with them. After 15 years of working exclusively in South Africa, we were asked to help other countries develop their children's ministries programs. Through our work with the Assemblies of God World Missions Africa Region and their program called Africa's Children, we've been able in the past six years to help train teachers in several countries, work on the development of children's ministry Sunday school curriculum for Africa, host many children's camps where we've seen God move miraculously and help churches create spaces for children to meet in at their local churches. Africa's children desires to see a healthy, kid-friendly church within walking distance of the over 500 million children in Africa. We believe that if each local church will reach the children of their community, we can see a future Africa where local and national leaders, school teachers, professionals will know God and follow his ways as they do their work. But we can't help our churches in Africa become kid-friendly without more workers. Right now, there are 30 countries in Africa without a single missionary focused on children's ministries. We need more missionaries in Africa. We need missionaries, yes, to focus on children's ministries, but we also need missionaries who will come and help plant churches, train and teach Bible school students, begin university ministries, focus on youth ministry, do evangelism, and be willing to go to places where the gospel is not known and live among the unreached those who have never heard of Jesus, and show them Christ through actions, through attitudes, and through verbal witness. We have been praying for the Lord to call 200 people to come and serve with us in Africa. As you have been, have you been challenged this month to give all, let me ask you, have you considered if God is asking you to give more than your time in prayer and your finances? Is he asking you to also give your life? Today I want to talk to you about what might compel someone to give their all, their whole life, their dreams, their own personal plans, their futures for the sake of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was warning his disciples about his upcoming death. Peter tried to stop Jesus from talking about such things, but Jesus knew his task. He knew his purpose for the Father, and he was committed to giving his all for that plan. Matthew 16 verses 24 to 26 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus was not saying that following him was going to be a chore, but he was warning them that it might not be easy to be able to obey and follow his calling on their lives. 
They would need power to deny themselves and their own desires and be willing to even give up their lives if it was needed. But I can tell you after serving as a missionary for over two decades, despite all the challenges, I would easily say yes all over again if God called me again. Serving God as a missionary has been the greatest joy of my life. It is more fulfilling than anything else I could have ever done. But what made it possible for the work to be so enjoyable for me? It was knowing that people like you were praying for me. I had supporters who gave to keep me on the field. I had colleagues and friends that I worked alongside there. But more importantly, above all of those things, the most important element in the journey was the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, guiding me, comforting me, giving me boldness and courage. You cannot begin a journey of giving all without a deep relationship with Christ. I want us to look today at some examples in scripture of those people God changed and called and empowered to preach his word. Let's begin in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a great prophet for the Lord to the people of Israel. And yet in chapter 6 of this book, we see a very interesting story where Isaiah is actually a commissioned of sorts to go and do missionary work. See, Isaiah was worshiping the Lord, probably like he'd done many times before, but this time was different. This time the Lord showed him a great vision of heaven. He saw the glory of the Lord and the throne of God. And in that moment exposed to the ultimate holiness that is God alone. He became acutely aware of his own sinfulness. He became aware of the sinfulness of the sinfulness of the Israelites, how they had turned away from God. He became afraid and he was afraid that he was going to die at that moment because of his sin. And then suddenly the miraculous happened. He was redeemed. He was made righteous as he was cleansed from all of his sin by the placing of a hot coal on his lips. Let's reveal our sin, our sinful hearts. It was the fire of God's altar that changed Isaiah and filled him with power and courage. At that moment, Isaiah understood that God's desire was to save mankind, to be in a loving relationship with them. Isaiah understood what God had done for him and had an intense desire to see others experience the same grace and forgiveness of sin. He wanted others to experience the incredible freedom and joy he was then experiencing. We understand that because of what happened right after this moment. Isaiah is there in heaven witnessing God's glory and he hears God asking, who's gonna go for us? Who's gonna go and warn the people one more time? And Isaiah, filled with the excitement of being saved and being redeemed, immediately volunteers and says, here am I, send me. He didn't even know what was gonna happen. And then he heard that when he would go, the people would not believe, they would reject God, they would reject the message. But that did not dissuade Isaiah from fulfilling the task that he had volunteered for. He had tasted the redemption and salvation of God and wanted to go and share it. He was compelled to go. Now let's fast forward to Matthew chapter 16. In that scripture, we see that Jesus is talking about his betrayal, suffering death, his coming resurrection. He's preparing his disciples for the days ahead by warning them what will happen. Peter, who believes in the Lord, but still without courage to boldly speak out for Christ, takes Jesus aside and tries to convince him, don't go through with this plan, Stop, step away. 
But Peter does not yet see the incredible love that God has for mankind and how Jesus is compelled by his immense love to complete the task the Father has called him to. Jesus will obey, he will suffer, he will die, but he will be resurrected. What Jesus was trying to teach his disciples here is that they must not live like John the Baptist did, a, a, a giving up all comforts, but they, and they may have to suffer a terrible death. But what Jesus was trying to tell them was that to follow him might require more than they were willing to give at that moment. They were going to need more courage and be willing to sacrifice more. He was preparing them for days ahead when they would be filled with the courage and the power that they needed. Jesus was taken into custody. He was falsely accused. He was beaten and killed. And during those hours, the Bible says that every single one of those disciples was scattered. Peter himself denied he even knew who Christ was. They were not ready to deny themselves. They were not ready to take up their own cross or lose their own lives. So what happened between Jesus' death in that moment of denial and Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost and preaching and 3,000 people becoming Christians and getting saved? What happened was that like Isaiah, years and years before, those disciples encountered the Holy Spirit. They encountered the presence of God. God himself came down and baptized them with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with boldness and power to share about God with others. The disciples experienced God's presence like Isaiah. They came face to face in the spirit with their own sinfulness, but they found redemption. They finally understood all of the teachings of Jesus, God's plan of salvation, and they were compelled to proclaim this message to others. They no longer cared if their lives were endangered or if they had to suffer. They had tasted the overwhelming goodness of a holy God, found salvation, and were compelled to share it with others. They understood that God's plan from the very beginning of creation was to have relationship with each person he creates. So when it comes to sharing the gospel, to considering if you were called to give all as a missionary or minister, I want us to look at three aspects quickly of God's mission. First, why should we share the gospel message? When God created mankind, he set himself apart from the rest of creation by placing on man his very image. Genesis 1.26 says that God created man in his own image. If we, like Isaiah and the disciples, have encountered the presence of God to the extent that, that we are compelled to tell others about him, this knowledge of people having been created in the image of God will compel us to go anywhere and to anyone that God asks us to go to. Isaiah was asked to go to people who wouldn't even listen to him. But the burning fire in his heart to have others experience redemption uh, as he had experienced compelled him to go and to speak. Secondly, how should we be sharing this gospel? When one thinks of missionary work, we often think of a preacher standing at a pulpit preaching to large crowds and many people getting saved. And praise the Lord, that happens all the time. We've been able to be a part of amazing events where many, many hundreds of people get saved. But 
That is not the only way or even the primary way that people come to Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, that those who have not experienced God's presence will know who his real followers are because they will be different in the way they treat one another. They will treat one another with love. Our lives give testimony, or they should, to the incredible grace that we have received. If we have truly encountered Christ and we are changed, we want to give that grace to others. We want to go and to share that that news with others that have not yet heard. Whether it's where we work or where we go to school, our neighbors that we might be seeing more often these days. This is how missions is done, through relationships. Today, there are 833 unreached people groups in Africa that have not heard the gospel. If Christ revealed himself to someone in those communities through a vision or a dream, they would have no one in their community to talk about that dream with. There are no believers, no pastors, no churches, no Bibles, no Bible studies. They are literally cut off from the gospel. And when a missionary team enters such a community and they begin living amongst people who've never heard of Christ, Christ in them becomes evident to those around them by the way they treat one another with love and respect and the way they treat those in the community. Those missionaries are compelled to go to those difficult places because they've experienced the grace of God and they're willing to say like Isaiah did, send me even to the difficult places and the difficult people. Like Peter and the disciples who experienced God's power through the Holy Spirit, they're willing to suffer, lose their lives, even for the sake of others hearing. Third, I want to talk about when or where we share the gospel. The Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 14, that all will hear and then the end will come. What does that mean? It means we have to go. We need to be willing to lay down our lives, our own desires, our own dreams in exchange for where God wants to send us. It means we need to go to those 833 unreached people groups in Africa. It means we need to go to cities where masses of people are coming for hope and share with them the real hope in Christ. In Africa, we desire to see a healthy church within walking distance of the 1 billion people in Sub-Saharan Africa. Right now, we have about 84,000 Assembly of God churches. They don't even touch 20% of the population. We need more churches, lots more churches. We need people who will give all to go to Africa to plant churches and train pastors, disciple the believers, live in cities, live in remote villages, live in hostile communities, and live in very different cultures for the sake of seeing men and women created by God in His image have the chance to hear the gospel and be in relationship with Him. As I close, my challenge to you is twofold. First, have you really experienced the presence of God? Has it been a while? It is only when we encounter the presence of God that we truly understand our own sinfulness and his incredible gift of grace. It is from those moments of experiencing God's presence that we are compelled to go, to share, to be a witness. As a believer, we can probably all recall the moment of salvation or our Holy Spirit baptism but maybe it's been a while since we've had one of those experiences and the, that sense of God's presence that urges us, 
Pray and ask the Lord to give you a moment like Isaiah had, like the disciples had, like Paul had when he was going to persecute and he encountered God. Ask the Lord and I know he will be faithful to visit you and bring you back into that place of his presence and help you to become more passionate and compelled to share the gospel with those around you that you encounter. He longs for relationship with you. Let me share a brief story with you from our years in South Africa about the presence of God changing lives. Each year at Easter time, all of our churches come together and celebrate as a united body of Christ, the resurrection. Earl and I would conduct children's services during these meetings. And one year on Easter Sunday morning, we taught the children about the Holy Spirit and we led them in a time of praying for Holy Spirit baptism. And God did not disappoint us that morning. Nearly every child in that service was filled with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks later, we went and visited one of our churches and one of our dear friends named Busi came and told us the story of what had happened since that Easter Sunday morning. She shared how parents had been coming up to her uh, since Easter and saying, what in the world happened to our children on Easter Sunday? Because ever since that day, all they want to do is read their Bibles and to pray and they're witnessing to our neighbors and to their family. They are changed by their experience in the presence of God when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those children were compelled to go and share with others. This is what you and I need today. We need a fresh experience in the presence of God. Secondly, I wanna challenge you today to be open to a call to missions. In Africa, I said it before, our prayer is for 200 new workers by 2024. We need people who will come from six months to two years to a lifetime. God may be calling you, but are you listening? During your time of seeking God's presence, listen like Isaiah did for God's call for someone to go to people he loves to share the message with them and be willing to say, here I am, send me. Be willing to deny your own plans, to deny your own ambitions and take on Christ. It will be hard. It could be dangerous. But I can tell you that if you will give your life to Christ and choose to follow him, you will find more fulfillment and more joy than anything else you could do in this world. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3 tells us how Jesus considered the, the mission that the Father had sent him to do, which included leaving the comfort of his home in heaven and enduring rejection, betrayal, beating, and death. But Jesus was willing to take on this challenge because he understood what was at stake and the results of his suffering. He knew that many people would be saved throughout history. He knew the joy he would experience when the task was complete and he returned to heaven where the word tells us rejoicing happens every time someone comes and believes in Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you right now as we close that the Lord will speak to you and help you. Father, I believe that you desire that everyone in this world should come to know you and have relationship with you. And Lord, I know that you are still calling missionaries today. And I pray, Lord, that today you would speak to us and you would call those you have appointed to serve you as a missionary or as a minister. Lord, help them today. Give them courage to 
say, yes, here am I, send me, just as Isaiah did. Give them boldness as you gave to Peter and the disciples on the day of Pentecost to take that step of faith and talk to their pastor and talk to their church leaders about pursuing a call to missions. Lord, we pray that you would call people to come to Africa and to to bring the gospel message there, to see churches planted, to help us to realize the dream of a healthy church within walking distance of every person in Africa. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for being willing to pursue a deeper walk with the Lord and being willing to listen for his call to missions. Thank you for all you do for missionaries around the world. We could not do what we are called to do without your partnership. God bless you.